Welcome back to Mark's Madness. Yeah. Oh, there was a delay on that one, but you know what, guys? You just got a little extra bloop bloop bloops in there, and that's all that counts. Um, <laughs> hello. Welcome back to Mark's Madness Pod. We read Super books. Bloop. We're doing it again. Super doing bloop. It again. We're doing it again. Doing it again. Um, but before we do it, we are yeah. um necessarily going to start with uh some current events because there are some there there yeah. is a major current event that needs to be uh dealt with yes um and for that i'm gonna pass the ball to david um yeah obviously very very tragic occurrence um that we saw in atlanta um so i'm not sure when this is going to get released it was going to be packed in the episode and this will be like three weeks after it or this will be a few days after it but um obviously sinophobia has been raging up um, as will happen when the U.S. demonizes another country, and that other country is non-white. Uh, the attacks always come out on people uh, with ethnicities that come from that country and with ethnicities that are perceived as similar. I mean, this is how racism works, right? Race is a social construct. It's a social construct built loosely around ethnicity, but mostly to uphold power structures. Um, and the attacks on China, the lies... Uh, are issues of imperialism just in and of themselves. I mean, they're just bad, just straight up. Uh, but just like we saw, you know, huge spikes in Islamophobia when, you know, things like Operation Cyclones, demons came to roost in 2001. Um, we definitely are seeing huge spikes in, in Sinophobia as these attacks on China and these comparisons with Nazi Germany and these accusations of genocide and, and these trade wars and these blaming China. Uh, for COVID, um, and of course the, the the racist attacks and and bad, very racist puns that are, that often conflate different Asian nations and cultures, uh, all is going to bring about a lot of of xenophobic hatred and violence to people, and that peak the way white supremacy tends to peak, uh, and that's in a mass shooting in this case, um, and this is an issue with a lot of deep undercurrents because it's an issue tied directly to misogyny. Uh, and, and sexual violence, uh, because these are massage parlors believed to be at least, at least to the public as massage part, as massage parlors that do, you know, intimate massages and, and, and finishings and, and basically are part of the, uh, sex industry making these, uh, women attack sex workers possibly. Um, not sure, but, but evidence is, is pointing that way. And this white supremacist, um, went around and he shot in about three different locations. Um, one was in a suburb around Atlanta where he shot four different people. And one, he came to two locations, which I believe were across the street from each other, where he shot three people in one location and one person in another location, um, killing all eight. Uh, six of them were Asian women. And his uh, the names of the six that have been released include uh, Delaney Ashley Wan, Xiao uh, Ji Tan, uh, Dayu Fang, Julie Park, Hyung Jung Park, and uh, Paul Andre Michels. Um, the other two victims' names have not been made public. And particularly, Delania uh, Ashley Wan is a mother of two, including an eight month old, uh, just to remind you, of course, the, the tragedy that this is. Um, but in this tragedy, um, you know, the excuse, of course, uh, is that he was trying to remove the temptation because of sexual addiction, which, uh, addiction, which, uh, of course, you know, blames the victims, um, for sexual violence. Yeah. It 
ties sexual violence to sexuality when sexual violence is an expression of violence and just like racist violence is an expression of violence that uses racism um, as the basis to commit that violence. Sexual violence is violence that uses misogyny and misogynistic structures as the basis for that violence. It's not actually something sexual, even if it is actions that are, are tied to contemporary sexual things. So, you know, like rape isn't an act of sex. It's an act of violence, right? Um, domestic abuse is an, an act of, of a relationship or a partnership. It's an act of violence upon a partner. Um, and so, of course, you know, this was, you know, sexual violence, the, the murder of, of sex workers um, was not something with relation to sex work. It was something relation to misogynistic violence. And in this case, particularly racism. Uh, and that's even getting the uh, word of mouth from a very sinophobic police chief who, who not only could cops lie just constantly and protect racists constantly. And this particular one that came out was uh, either printing or selling or sharing uh, very, very racist, uh, sinophobic shirts. I think it was, I think it was sharing. Yeah. I think it was sharing, sharing, sharing stuff on yeah, sharing. So sharing it, um, in promotion of it, um, very sinophobic shirts. Uh, and of course the killer and it's like, okay, so, you know, the cops and the killer say this, uh, but the motivation is not only very clear with uh, six of the eight victims being Asian. Uh, but on top of that, the uh, witnesses who are far more reliable to, to hear about how racist these shootings are, as they almost always are, um, were saying that he was showing up saying he was going to kill all Asians. So I believe the witnesses over cops any day of the week. Uh, this is very much racist violence, and this should not be... Um, this should not be following a narrative that has nothing to do with racism. It, it completely spurs from sinophobia, which of course was fomented and is fomented uh, with the sinophobic narratives going on out there. And so, as you can see, this always ties back, right? You know, capitalism is not only uh, the economic expression of colonialism and made there so that colonial masters can stay wealthy. Um, even as colonialism gets resisted and they can uphold their colonial power structures, even as, even as colonialism is formally resisted. Uh, but also it's reproduced in imperialism and imperialism of course is a different form of colonialism and it's very racist and then it reproduces racism itself and overt white supremacy itself. And in this case, you know, imperialism making a target for white supremacists. Uh, to come out. So, you know, all of this ties back. This is this and, and misogyny, which, which goes hand in hand too. Um, so all of this ties back to the same power structures of oppression. And it's why, you know, I mean, every time, every time we combat misogyny, every time we combat racism, every time, um, we combat, you know, violence. We're, we're combating imperialism. We're combating capitalism. We're combating colonialism. And we cannot let that fight down. And we need to make sure that we are centering victims and centering these specific types of hate and issues at hand um, so that we're tying them together, but we're not taking away focus for the peculiarities and the need to focus on these things as tragedy arises. And it's exactly why we need to defend ourselves uh, and and defend anyone who is in these groups um, that we need to show solidarity with um, and come to their defense. And we need to make sure that together we see this through eventually to revolution and the liberation of all oppressed masses until this violence can stop. Yeah. Amen to that. I, I, I really have nothing to add to that. That would, that feels like it pretty well, pretty well speaks to it. Um, 
just just a lot of sadness <laughs> just yeah. i mean it is it's it's very hard to look at things that we i mean we've been talking about sinophobia and and mm-hmm. the increase in in that ratcheting up for for it feels like since we started this podcast that that's been a, a recurring theme and it always seems to be and and to see it kind of come come to roost like this to see it come home and and actual acts of violence like this start breaking out you kind of feel like this is the 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 start this isn't going to be the end of it yeah it, is is my fear is that there is more of this lurking out there because it's been breeding for so long yeah and i mean you know i'm let's be very clear right the the u.s empire is the most powerful and evil force out there and it even is a subset of capitalism and colonialism and imperialism um which you know comes it just spurs from the west it just it just does. Okay. It came from Europe. It's, it's re-expressed in, in white settler colonies. Um, and so when you talk about whether you're, you're just purely demonizing, um, these official U.S. enemies on these loose narratives that are, are almost never true. Um, but, but regardless of when you're demonizing them for things, when the U.S. does worse and you're focusing on them, um, especially if you're, you're saying they're, they're more evil, but even if you're saying they're, you know, just as bad or, or need to be combated just as much. You're not really combating the U.S. You're doing exactly what the U.S. does, and you're forwarding this colonialism, and you're fomenting this type of bigotry, um, all for things that not only are the battle you need to fight, you know, you need to defeat your masters inside the core of the empire, okay? We need to take the empire down from the inside out. That is our focus. Uh, so, you know, not only are you distracting from that and actually helping the empire sustain itself, uh, but you're you're fomenting this this racism and this bigotry, and you don't know how true that stuff is because your evidence is always going to be limited and filtered through Western sources. Yeah, and so again, just back to the back to the back to the reasons that again there are there is oh so much nuance and gray area and yada yada that you can get into with this, but um, when when you wonder why why there are groups of people that will outwardly just Oh, oh no no <laughs> nuance no nothing defend official u.s enemies and things like that um it is it is trying to combat this sort of because the other option is a lot of unbridled unfettered just pure propaganda hate and and it leads to things like this yeah and um, and, and again you know and, when you and, when you carry water for that propaganda too you could say oh well i don't like u.s intervention or you can look at these mass shootings and say oh i don't support you know racism against asian people but that comes back to the the same thing where it's it's like you know i don't i don't like any of the problems but the causes oh i love the causes like you can't say that with a straight face there's a reason that sounds ridiculously hilariously sarcastic because it's dumb as shit you cannot have that stance and so when you say you know i don't support um invasion of other countries uh but also you know china's uh, oppressive authoritarian monsters and and only tankies would support them and 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 i oppose them too it's like you're saying you support invasion you're saying you support these hate crimes here you're saying you support the fomenting of imperialist uh, narratives and imperialist actions yeah um and and but unless you have anything else on this particular de- depressing footnote no. in <laughs> what feels like a series of depressing footnotes, um, yeah. Do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about the other the other thing going on current event wise that we had? Um, I would love to, but I don't 
think this will be out in time for the line three actions that are happening if this is out in time uh, there's line three actions uh, resisting i believe that's related to tar sands it's some kind of of oil pipeline um i have to to look a little more into it but there will definitely be resistance actions on the 21st which this episode definitely won't be out before uh of march the 30th of march the 4th of april and the 13th of april these are two very specific tuesdays and sundays it is important to let people know about them coming up but this will come out after they happen sure there will be police repression and violence you know it'll probably cause some kind of current events to, to keep people up on because the media is going to push a lot of propaganda through about it. And that propaganda is not going to be friendly and it's not going to be objective. It's going to be a police loving line of horse shit. Almost without doubt, almost without mm-hmm. doubt. That being said, anything else, current events bouncing around this week. Mm. or in in the future uh high uh, fun piece of current events not not depressing uh genie anya's got uh arrested in a box (laughs) she was hiding in a box she she was hiding in a box they found they found her in a a big box box. it's my go piece to in a box uh so uh again a different different strategy again every every country needs to to handle their own own internal affairs i'm not here to judge anybody but uh genie Anya has been arrested for for it looks like her part yeah, i mean do you know what exactly she's been arrested for is it her I, I part mean, in the coup or are they cla- yeah they're they're arresting her for for the massacres after the coup um so there were massacres okay, okay. Just sure, just, just, oh yeah that's something so of course there are right-wing news outlets in addition to, to, to left-wing news outlets in bolivia right what yeah you don't say <laughs> and uh the right-wing news outlets are doing propaganda which i'm sure they're doing just to be repeated by western sources hoping people don't speak spanish and know what the fuck the posters are saying uh where they zoomed in on posters to other spanish speakers and they zoomed in the posters and they claim the posters being put up on the wall where she's arrested were in support of anya's but instead one poster was specifically mourning and it was naming the names of the victims of the cochabamba massacres um there was another one that said hashtag golpistas on the like they wrote out hashtag golpistas on it and were like naming names of of Agnes's uh, uh, accomplishments and the other one was asking demanding justice against them. So those were strongly in favor of what Moss is doing as far as arresting and prosecuting and, and I shouldn't say Moss. I mean that the the Bolivian government Moss is is the party most in power and obviously you know the. The Golpistas don't support the Golpistas uh, ap- having to face consequences for their actions. Uh, but the mostly Mas-led government of Bolivia and the Bolivian people as a whole are, you know, bringing them the trap, bringing them the prosecution, looking at, you know, multiple decades of, of jail, of course, because you're massacring innocent citizens for daring protest. Um, and posters were up in support on the side of the jail. And a right-wing news program showing the posters was trying to say that they're supporting Anya's. And it's a crack of shit. And so I guarantee you that will be <laughs> something that is reflected in Western sources. And I also guarantee you somebody who 
doesn't speak Spanish, uh, talking to someone else that doesn't speak Spanish, if you're aware of what that says and you point that out, they're going to be like, no, I mean, these people know what they're saying. They speak Spanish. They could read the posters. They wouldn't do that. Well, of course they'll do that. And they'll do that because they're not really doing that. I mean, maybe they're hoping some Bolivian citizens won't read the posters and we'll just listen to them. But I'm sure what they're doing is they're doing that for propaganda value to send out to English speaking um, or you know other non-Spanish speaking Western sources to use for propaganda. I, I can't imagine any other reason for being that stupid on camera. <laughs> oh, David, don't don't underestimate. There are plenty of reasons to be that stupid on camera. Okay, that easily debunked this, of an idiot. That being on, on said, camera. ah, come on now, Fox News exists. They've proven that you can do <laughs> kind of basically anything you want. There's no rules, baby. Um. That being said, it is time to do the thing that we do, which is read books. Uh, And we are reading, as always, Black Reconstruction in America. We are starting on page 417, and we are starting at the last paragraph of 417. It is interesting to remember that the Negro officials repeatedly were commended by various papers and persons in South Carolina. Charles M. Wilder, postmaster of Columbia, was commended in the Daily News. April 13th, 1869, is a man well-known and universally respected. The Courier said January 25th, 1869, that R.C. DeLarge spoke ably and logically, and that Elliot spoke ably. That feels like articulate. Yeah. <laughs> that feels like words. articulate to me. That just sounds, that sounds like 1860s articulate to me. Uh, December 2nd, 1869, the Courier gave prominence to the opinion of Judge Woodland of Pennsylvania, a member of Congress who received a very favorable impression of Robert Brown Elliot and regarded him as the ablest man in the legislature. The Daily News, November 30th, 1860. I know. I know. The Daily News, November 30th, 1869, called Whipper an intelligent man and very popular in the party. The Chesterfield Democrat, 1870, called Harry L. Shrewsbury an opponent of corruption and declared that he sustained a good reputation, which he has kept intact under great temptations, and that he has exerted himself zealously and courageously to guard his people from compulsion and vengeance and establish their claim to decency and respectability. The Courier in 1870 spoke of W.H. Jones and said that he speaks well and to the point. It is also said that Jameson had sound, practical sense. Later, it called Dr. Bozeman an intelligent, educated man. Mm, yeah, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. Um, the Abbeville Press commended Cardozo for trying to prevent waste of money and said that the treasurer is an able officer of undoubted integrity. The News and Courier called Samuel Lee tolerable and well-educated. <laughs> tolerably well-educated. I apologize. That, that kind of changes it a little bit. I love how you, you have to be a certain I level of well-educated him. before He's we tolerate enough. you. Yeah, He's I don't deal with enough the plebes, education but this for guy me to is all right. <laughs> <laughs> and said that he spoke fearlessly and forcibly. Some visitors like F. Barham Zinkel, that's a name if I've ever heard one, found Negro members of the assembly superior to white members. I Who would have thunk it? James S. Pike, a violent hater of Negroes, said that all of the best speakers in the House are quite black and added that Senator Beverly Nash has more native ability than half the white men in the Senate. It is asserted beyond all question that the best man of the best men of the legislature were colored men. They knew more about parliamentary law and carried themselves with moderation. On the other hand, among the white members were some strange bedfellows. Rutland was the one who gave the, a cane to Brooks after he had beaten Sumner. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Moses helped pull down the flag at Fort Sumner. 
There were, of course, illiterate and ignorant men among the Negro speakers, but on the other hand, there were some of poise and eloquence who spoke with ease and grace. These were the men, and this was the effort with which had been endlessly blamed and reviled. There is that celebrated tirade by Pike. The members of the assembly issued forth from the state house. About three quarters of the crowd belonged to the African race. They were such a looking body of men as might pour out of a market house or a courthouse at random in any southern state. Every Negro type and physiognomy, physiognomy, physiognomy that, yeah, was here to be seen. Physiognomy? Yeah, it's physiognomy for sure. Sure. Um, I'm assuming that's like shape and size is what he's talking about there. Yeah. Um, go- Google me to make sure I'm not doing a slur. I was going to say, physiology um, is a different different science at all, entirely. Yeah, all right. We're pausing. We're pausing to make sure we're not doing a slur. I don't think, I think physiognomy is like shape and size. Uh, I bet. Um, is a practice of assessing a person's character or personality from their outward appearance, especially in the face? It is, it is so it's visual. It's visual phrenology. It's visual phrenology. It's phrenology. Okay. It's, where it's phrenology without the calipers. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's phrenology when you're eyeballing it. Oh, God. All right. We're going to take that one more time then. Every Negro type and physiognomy was here to be seen. From the general, from the genteel serving man to the rough hewn customer of from the rice or cotton field. Whew. Their dress was as varied as their countenances. There was the second bla- second hand black frock coat of infirm gentility, glossy and threadbare. There was the stovepipe hat of many ironings and departed styles. There was also to be seen a total disregard of the properties of costume in the coarse and dirty garments of the field. This is, of course, the jibe of property and gentility at poverty and ignorance. It, the jibe of property. What is, huh? I don't know. I don't know. No, the the no, essence of right. property. The essence of all right. We're we're doing jibe. We're doing a Google on jibe. That's the jibe. The I jibe guess yeah. The essence to be in accord to agree with. Okay, so the agreement of property and ah, there we go. This is of course the agreement of property and gentility at poverty and ignorance. Ah. That makes right. sense. Hooray synonyms. That that makes that love it. Love love thesauruses, guys. Gotta have them when you're reading your book. This is what this is the service that we will provide you. Uh most men always have been poor and unkempt. Then comes the real attack. The speaker is black. The Kirk is black. The doorkeepers are black. The little pages are black. The little the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee is black, and the chaplain is coal black. Seems unnecessary to make that distinction, yeah. my friend. Uh, at some of the desks sit colored men whose types it would be hard to find outside of the Congo. That oh, you did just, in fact go yeah, there. That is not Jesus fucking Christ. That's okay. That's bad. That's then very comes bad. This acknowledgement. <laughs> it is not all sham nor all burlesque. They have a genuine interest and a genuine earnestness in the business of assembly, which we're bound to recognize and respect. They have an earnest purpose born of conviction that their conditions are not fully assured, which lends a sort of dignity to their proceeding to their proceedings. It is surely not all sham and burlesque. Indeed. Was it any of it a sham and burlesque save in minds like pikes? They used the term, that's what what did he think they were doing just playing dress up and, and going at it for the fun of yeah, it what, i guess what, shaman what? burlesque is like the the snooty old school bread and circus i don't know 
but I, it must I, be. It, I mean, it's a, it's, Oh, look at them pretending they're doing the, the yeah. like, this is insanity. Like uh, these people are fighting for their light, for their very humanity. And you're making it out like they're doing a dress up and pretending. Mm-hmm. Take out the accusation of being black, which is still a crime in the United States, and fortunately still true today. Talk about this book being evergreen. Uh, and there remains. Never, never in ceases. S- What's that? I said it never ceases. Yeah, no, it never ceases. To be evergreen. Uh, yep. Uh, and there remains in such tirades as this only a protest against ignorance and poverty, presuming to rule intelligence and wealth. And yet under the circumstances, how else was the necessary economic and social revolution to be affected? The charge against the Negro legislatures manifestly could not be simply the charge of being black. The question was, how did they govern? Sir George Campbell, a member of parliament, says that whatever violence and disturbance there was, was not on the part of the black majority, but on the side of the white minority, who instead of trying constitutional methods to gain power, preferred Ku Klux organizations and such violent methods. He continues, before I went south, I certainly expected to find that the southern states had been for a time a sort of pandemonium in which a white man could hardly live, and yet it was certainly not so. Well, then, I had gone on to ask, did the black legislatures make bad laws? My informants could not say that they did. What, then, is the practical evil which complaint is made? The answer is summed up in one word, corruption. I believe that there could be no doubt that all of this great deal of corruption did prevail, but much more than the ordinary measure of American corruption. It was inevitable that it should be so under the circumstances, but to what degree it was so, it was very difficult to tell. His conclusion is that the carpetbag rule did no permanent injury to the state and that the black men used their victory with moderation. This brings us to the center of the that, corruption. Oh, yeah. Hold, just, yeah, well, no. Um, no, go ahead. Go ahead and read that because I yeah. was about to get into the corruption charge and I want to I want to talk about that. So keep going. Sure, sure. This brings us to the center of the corruption charge, which is, in fact, that poor men were ruling and taxing rich men. And this was the chief reason that ridicule and scorn and crazy anger were poured upon the government. This was after the war, a severe economic strain upon their former wealthy ruling class. And as South Carolina had been ruled by angels during 1868 to 1876, the protest of wealth and poverty would have been a shrill and angry and would have had all the justification of a war that the war ridden always have. So again, I mean, and that's pointing out, right? Corruption's just, it, it's a pejorative. It is all it is. And, yeah. and, and it's still, I mean, we see that when we talk about third world countries and, the, you know, corrupt African government. Well, they're not corrupt, right? They're either good and they dare resist the U.S. or their corruption is coming from the West handling and it's, it's neocolonialism is exactly what Nkrumah talked about, right? And, well, and you, you see, you see a lot of this too, even in, even in this country, because think about uh, when I think back to the, uh, the the January sixth the mm-hmm. the violence that happened yeah. in in DC yeah when when you when you hear people talk about that like what are you protest what are you fight corruption kept being this oh we're fighting the corrupt it's a corrupt problem it's corrupt it's corrupt it's always yeah a rich aggrieved very white group pointing at a at, at some perceived slight or some perceived loss and it's always corruption that's always the answer is that it corruption what well, what what corruption corruption and just bang a gavel at it over and over until you without ever really pointing to anything yeah and and kind of the the inverse of that right is the whole buying votes um again when you point at, at like a global south government right if you dare 
give oh, out yeah. food or give out housing or or do something to provide for your people. If you do what the government is meant to do and serve your population, you're buying votes. Yeah. And so, bang, yeah. right back to corruption, you know? Yeah, that's it is corrupt for the government to do anything other than the four things that I designate that it's supposed to do. Yeah, and again, and that that even reflects still here in, in the United States too. Because if you're if you're one of the, the moderate Democrats that are worried about the 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 um um what do you call it the, the deficit deficit thank you the deficit and and want to cut things back and you're you're a third way or especially if you're a Republican right and and you're worried about these Reagan these uh, Reaganite, you know, um, racist arguments, the whole Cadillac driving uh, welfare queen type stuff where it's like, you know, people are just leeching on you or, or you hear the the thing about, you know, the, the panhandlers and, and they've really they're really wealthier than you and stuff. Right. I mean, it's just it's an anti-corruption argument in it's what it's presented as, but it's really just, you know, how dare the poor is, how dare the powerless have, have the power to not give me everything I want. How dare they stand in my way? They're supposed to be below me. And that's exactly what this is. Yeah. So, you know, corruption is a real phenomenon. Yeah. It's a real thing. I mean, we could see what happened in the state of Illinois, you know, what, 10 years ago with Blagojevich and shit. Um, oh yeah. And, and we know lobbying is everywhere all over the government. Uh, and, uh, oh God, you know what? I'm, I'm reaching too far back for example. Who was the, the, um, was she a Senator, um, that in like Georgia or something and her husband, she, she was serving and her husband was on the, or she was serving. She was, she was in the office, but her husband was in like a financial office and she did insider trading or something, but it wasn't insider trading because it was her spouse. I can't remember the, the blonde one that was really fascist that just got her ass kicked in Georgia. Um, Leffler, yeah, yeah, Leffler, Leffler, whatever she is, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, corruption really happens, right? But whenever you hear people dig out corruption, because people people that care about corruption actually happening, we don't care about corruption. We care about the the power dynamics in the system, and the system has to end. And that's why you know we're socialists and we we speak for revolution, or we care about the you know the victims of the system, the poor, which we know are victims beyond corruption. So when people start throwing out corruption charges, they don't care about actual corruption. It's a crock of shit. They just care about having their power structures threatened. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, great was the stress upon former owners of wealth. The condition of the Negroes was infinitely worse. The Negro was desperately poor. Outside of three or 4,000 free Negroes, he inherited no property, no tools, no land. His chance to make a decent labor contract was about as small as he could be as could be imagined. A number worked for the army and bought land. Some earned a living on land furnished them, but the vast majority remained poor landless laborers. The people best qualified to help and advise in the reconstruction of the state refused even when there was no legal barrier. The attitude of most whites was childish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh. They complained then afterward. Evergreen. Evergreen. They complained then and afterward that they were not asked to lead the Negroes, that they were not chosen to be the leaders, when it was their clear duty to place themselves at the head of the Negro groups and white groups and lead them aright. In fact, they wanted labor government to fail. Nothing would have disgusted most of them more than to have a government in which Negro slaves and northern interlopers and poor whites participated and succeeded. They had there, therefore, every motive for making progress difficult and for using charges of failure for propaganda in the North. Just like we're talking about with the corruption shit, obviously. Exactly. I was about to say, yeah, Mm -hmm. when you can slow it down and intentionally disrupt it at every single turn, you can make it. Mm -hmm. You can make the system 
fail. And then you blame mm-hmm. that failure on the people in power and go, oh, and again, if the people in power aren't able to fight back, don't have, don't have, you know, aren't, aren't willing to fight it, aren't willing to take whatever measures are needed to fight it. Uh, you end up again, you'll let that charge get painted against you. And that's, what's going to happen here in reconstruction. Yeah. And, and additionally, you know, I mean, again, they're, they're appealing to the North. There's something here to it. And it's something, again, we see reproduced imperialism, but we don't have to leave the country for, and we see here, especially in this example is that, you know, when you're fighting for power and you're serving the people, you're fighting with the people. If you're trying to keep corrupt power systems in place and you're already in power, you just come down on the people as they try to rise up. But if you're trying to put a corrupt power system back into place to service you, you'll reach from outside help from people that are in power in that same power structure you desire. And so when the white people yep. wanted to put black people essentially back in their place, they reached to the north where north all of the wealth was white. Hey, you have the white supremacist power structure. You might have defeated us in the war, but it was mostly these black people, and now they're they're ruling us down here. Um, we need you to get your white supremacy back down here with us. Oh, you know, you just won a war against slavery. That doesn't sound appealing. You need to come here and fight corruption. You need to, to bring your your money here and invest and take out our corruption. Um, yeah. The wilder charges have all have all the stigma stigmata of propaganda and are in some respects intrinsically unbelievable. It is impossible to be convinced that people who gave South Carolina so excellent a constitution, who founded good social legislation, a new system of public schools, and who were orderly and earnest in their general demeanor, could at the same time in all cases be stealing, carousing, and breaking every law of decency. Yet the accusers in the the case of South Carolina, Reconstruction attacked everybody. And when one Reynolds runs out of accusations and attacking the character of the leading Negro statesman, he turns around and without adducing a single line of proof, calls his wife a strumpet. I don't know what the fuck a strumpet is. That sounds misogynistic as hell. Um, Uh, I'm about to say, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with some. Yep. Nope. Go for it. Yeah. Um, I got it. I got it. The woman it, who has know, sex with men for. I've heard it said before. Yeah. It's, oh, good. It's yeah, another yeah, derogatory yeah, term right. for exactly a sex what worker. It sounds like. Yep. Yep. Yay. Yeah. Hooray. Love that. Um, hooray. God. Never this, gets old. <laughs> this book is just so easy to read sometimes. I'm telling you. Uh, it is. It never. It never hurts my yeah, soul. No. Um, scarcely a single person, white or black, northern or southern, connected with the government of South Carolina during 1868 to 1876, has escaped being called a scoundrel, a rascal, and a thief. This does not sound reasonable. As two of the younger latter <laughs> rascal, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, rascal sounds out of place there. One of those sounds adorable, and the <laughs> other two sound probably not great. I don't want to be a scoundrel or a thief, but if I'm a rascal, I mean, come on, you tossle my hair and send me on my way. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that rascal poked the straw right through his juice box. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. That rascal stole a cookie out of the cookie jar. Not, not, not like accusing me of high crimes and misdemeanors. Jesus. <laughs> This does not sound reasonable as two of the younger and later and more o- younger and later and more honest. How, what is younger and later? Yeah, and more he should honest- have put a comma there. He didn't. 
Okay. And more honest students of the situation, frankly, admit, oh, 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 okay. No, younger and later. I mean, they came along later to, to see what was happening. It does oh, actually make sense. It just read. Fun. All right. All right. It makes okay. sense. Do, do, okay. all right, Harvard man. I'm not going to correct your grammar anymore. I apologize. <laughs> the accusations do not sound true. However, many believe that the main charges were substantiated. Yeah, hey, you know, there's all this bullshit, but it's right anyway. Gee, that never works in propaganda. We don't see that today. That's weird. You can you debunk something and people are like, wow, this is all bullshit, right? That's how it works, right, Nathan? Yeah. That That's what I deal with. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. However, many believe that the main charges were substantiated. This report was made by the investigating committee appointed in 1877 by the Democratic legislature, and it was an attempt to justify everything that had been done in South Carolina to overthrow the rule of labor and its allies. If this report is to be believed in its entirely, then the people of South Carolina were the most extraordinary set of thieves in the United States, and this applied mainly to the native white South Carolinians belonging to the old aristocracy and the poor whites, next to the carpetbaggers, necessarily limited in numbers, but large in influence, and least to the Negroes, to the Negroes in small measure as actual recipients of money, but in larger responsibility as dupes and victims of their white leaders." The interpretation that has grown out of this report has has grown out of this report has tended to identify the scalawags with the carpetbaggers to say comparatively little concerning the part with which native Carolinians played and to transfer the main guilt of dishonesty almost entirely to the Negroes. This is not only a falsification of history. It is not even a fair interpretation of the fraud report, but the fraud report moreover in itself is not convincing. Sir George Campbell said, In South Carolina, I was given the report of the Committee of Investigation disclosing terrible things and said to be the most impartial and conclusive. The general result was to leave on one's mind the belief that undoubtedly a very great deal of pilfering and corruption had gone on, but the tone of the report was far too much that of an indictment rather than of a judgment to satisfy me that it could be safely accepted in block. The report was made by the committee of the Democratic legis- by a committee of the Democratic legislature of South Carolina just after their party by force and fraud had driven the Negroes and the Republicans out of power. It was the bounden duty of this legislature to prove that their action was justified. No considerations of human life, character, or desert had deterred them from this bloody revolution, and it is not conceivable that any considerations of exact truth or fidelity to the fact would deter them from defending it to such an extent that the federal government should not interfere. The men who made the report had in their hands all of the governmental records and documents to use or suppress as they wished. They gave accused persons no real or safe opportunity to reply. They could call witness, they could call as witnesses persons upon whom they were able to put their severest pressure. The unsupported testimony of these witnesses, so long as it was against the overturned government, was received as final authority. Some of these witnesses were acknowledged thieves. Yet their testimony was given full credence with the curious assumption that that such thieves would not lie when it was to their distinct advantage to deceive. Why, for instance, should A.O. Jones, the colored clerk of the house, acknowledge systematic bribery unless it was made distinctly to his interest to do so? And if it was to his interest to give this testimony, how can we know that the testimony was absolutely true? The report piled charge upon charge. It grouped together sworn testimony, gossip, and suspicion. It put down as facts the statements of men who were incriminated by the facts. It accepted as proof of articles and supplies furnished the lists and statements of those who sold them and who profited by the sale and bribed the purchasers. 
This committee, as a matter of fact, constituted judge and jury in an indictment which nobody since has had the opportunity to scrutinize and criticize carefully. No court in Christendom would, without further data, receive the fraud report of South Carolina as the exact truth. Nathan, they've investigated themselves yeah. and they've found no wrongdoing. <laughs> that, I mean, it, it really feels like that. I, it, and, and it's, it's not something we haven't seen before or no. since or, yeah. or, or I, but it's just, I mean, it, it's so brazen that it, it, again, I, I, I'm intrigued by what Dr. Du Bois uncovers here mm-hmm. or kind of further elucidates. There was nothing in their general conduct during this time to leave any doubt that men would go to any limit of deception in order to prove that Negroes were not fit to vote and that all northern men in the state were thieves. The whole story of this era has not been revealed nor studied with impartial and scientific accuracy. Perhaps at this late day, it never can be. In South Carolina, the charges of stealing were primarily $60,000 in bribery to pass the phosphate bill, $40,000 to elect John J. Patterson to the United States Senate, $200,000 in four years for furnishing the Capitol, $200,000 as appropriations for state printing, large sums for supplies, the issues of fraudulent and excessive pay certificates to members of the legislature, the increase of needless clerks, a saloon in the state house, and fraud in the sale of land to the state. The saloon in the state house, I agree with. <laughs> I stand behind that one a hundred percent. That the that's that's that that I'm okay with. Yeah. <laughs> In none of these charges do colored men appear as principals accused, except possibly in the case of Jones, a member of the printing ring upon whose own testimony some of the charges are based. In the case of the phosphate bill, there were doubtless general bribery of both colored and white members of the legislature, but it was to establish an industry which the state sorely needed and which it seemed able to get only by granting a monopoly to southern white men. In the case of the Patterson election, the graft was dispensed by a white man in order to defeat his colored opponent, Elliot, who refused a $10,000 bribe to withdraw. White Northerners who owned the two leading dailies got contracts for the public printing, but later clerks of the two houses, one of whom was colored, got in on this graft and shared at least a part of it. In the case of the Land Commission, an excellent and needed movement to furnish small farmers land at reasonable prices was turned into a theft by which white landholders were the chief gainers. Whatever stealing of land funds was done cannot be charged to Robert D. DeLarge, the colored land commissioner, he says in his first report. It will be seen that I have never been in possession of the bonds as contemplated in the act, and that I am consequently in no wise responsible for any disposition that may have been made of them. The lands I have purchased have been paid for through orders of the state treasurer approved by the chairman of the advisory board. David. Yeah, I, would, I mean, before I even get into it, too, you can really see what Du Bois is talking Please. about, where if corruption does exist, and I'm sure there's some amount, it's the white politicians that are doing it. I mean, it's it's overwhelmingly, yeah. right? They're just trying to stack the deck um, so they don't have their land redistributed, so they don't have their power taken away, so they have control of the new industries. It's pretty freaking ridiculous. Um. He reported February 23rd, 1871, that nearly 2,000 small farms were occupied or ready to be settled, and that settlers would have eight years to make payments. The greater portion of the farms were uh, bought were already occupied, and numbers of thrifty and industrious farmers, white and black, were eagerly securing homes. Over 300 certificates of purchase had been issued. It was said that the legislative sessions were unduly prolonged and that unnecessary clerks were employed, that a liquor saloon was maintained, and that under the head of supplies, all sorts of personal feelings were furnished individual members of the legislature and charged to the state. 
but it was not usually added that merchants got the contracts for these furnishings, some northern, some southern. They furnished the money to bribe committees and members of the legislature in order to secure for themselves the right to charge taxpayers outrageous prices for shoddy materials. They were doing no more in this case than businessmen of New York and Philadelphia, but also it is perfectly clear they were doing no less. The state got a capital decked out in the flamboyant taste of the day, but we must not forget that for the first time in their drab life, representatives of black and white labor toiling in the fields and swamps and living in the unpaved slums of the towns saw something that meant to them beauty and luxury, saw it and touched it and owned it. And somehow I have more respect for the golden spittoons of freed Negro lawmakers in 1872 than for the chaste elegance of the colonial mansions of slave drivers in 1860. Graft and bribery spread in the state. That but most is of the sentence. worst feature of corruption in South Carolina. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Did you want to speak on something? No, I was just going to say that that was a that was a bold sentence right there. And the and somehow I have more respect for the golden spittoons of free Negro lawmakers. Oh, yeah. In 1872 than for the chaste elegance of the colonial mansions of slave drivers in 1860. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, you know, they, they had something nice for the first time in, in, in their lives. And and obviously, you know, you can you can complain about the corruption behind it. And the fact that their mission was to serve the people and serve the broader masses, not just the elected few. And I would strongly agree with that. But. Nonetheless, you know, to some degree, they deserved it. I mean, they they were taking power and, and trying to seize it and hand it back to to the other, you know, black people in, in the region. Um, graft and bribery spread in the state, but the worst feature of corruption in South Carolina is that members of both parties and men of all classes are involved in it, and that public abhorrence of corruption, which is the safeguard of popular government, seems wanting or dormant. Even the old aristocrat aristocratic class to whom we had been taught to attribute sentiments of chivalric honor have not sculpted to bribe officials. <laughs> and again, you know, I mean, the aristocratic class had chivalrous honor and it just shows you chivalry again is, is it the same kind of bullshit, right? You, it, it's like, I even hate the, the thought of when someone's polite and, and they care about other people and they do something, you know, maybe nice. And you say, Oh, they have class. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? That that poor people can't what be nice. <laughs> like yeah. poor people can't be polite. What what the hell? Um, yeah. So you know, I mean, it's it's the Again, same thing with they the chivalry, spoke right? ably. You know, they, they spoke ably, David. Yeah, yeah, they spoke ably. So, um, but yeah, you know, the idea of etiquette being sacrosanct um, and and equating it with kindness, but then also just assigning it to rich people is is the oldest propaganda in the book. Dr. Yep. R.M. Smith of Spartanburg County, an old citizen of Democratic, an old citizen and a Democratic member of the legislature, testified that he could see no wrong in bribing a public officer, and compared the transaction <laughs> to the purchase of a mule. It's an investment, Nathan. Oh my God. It's an investment. No, these are people. These are people that owned people. These are people that owned people. Of course, they don't see a problem with this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And the Taxpayers' Convention held at Columbia, South Carolina, Mr. F. F. Worley of Darling Ca- Darlington County, an old citizen of high standing, spoke as follows. And again, high standing pushed up. Uh, yeah. Um, as I had said on yesterday, public frauds would not exist were it not for private individuals who act on the part of corruptors. Were none of these engaged in bribing members of the legislature, we would hear nothing of such frauds. As 
as the one I have endeavored to expose. Mr. President, one promised feature in this transaction is the part in which Native Carolinians have played in it. And it is to this feature that I ask to be allowed to address myself in closing. I say, sir, and I say it in sorrow, that some of our own household, men whom the state in the past has delighted to honor, but whose honor has been withered by the atmosphere of corruption that they breathe, are involved in this swindle. A legislature composed chiefly of former slaves has been bribed by these men to do what? To give them the privilege by law of plundering the property the property holders of the state, now almost bankrupt by reason of the burden of taxation under which they labor? It is difficult for citizens of other states to realize such prevalent corruption affecting all classes of society, bringing to the same level patriot and rebel, white and black, old citizens and the new. Probably one cause contributing to produce this result is the condition of civil war which has prevailed in the state, in which the power has been almost exclusively in the hands of one class, and the property in the hands of another. While open hostilities have not generally and continuously – by the way, if you have power in hands of one class and all of the property in the hands of the other, uh, just give <laughs> the, the property over to the class that, that should have power because they won the Civil War. I'm just saying that. I mean, maybe not in every case, but in this case, I, that I'm feeling that. You know, that, not, not in every case, but in this particular one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll go with it. <laughs> While open hostilities have not generally and continuously existed, there has been a mutual enmity more bitter than usually com- accompanies fragrant, flagrant warfare. Hence, some of the men in office may have regarded what was taken from the treasury as taken from the property holders, enemies of the government, and therefore spoils of the war. And on the other hand, some property holders have come to consider what they procure by bribery and corruption as right of which they are wrongly deprived and which they are justified in recovering by any means. Another cause seems to be that the contempt which an old property holding class manifests and feel for freedmen and all who cooperate with them politically. This gives to the bribery of such persons in the eyes of the old native class a semblance of the purchase of the slave. So that's a really long way to say they didn't see themselves as doing anything wrong, which I, yeah, I mean, exactly. nobody who does anything wrong sees themselves as doing anything wrong. They always justify it. Many other Southern white speakers of the day were clear and frank in assessing blame. C.W. Dudley said in 1871, the colored population must give us their assistance in any reforms which are contemplated. This they will do just as soon as they discover that their former owners are completely reconciled to their new condition. If they have turned from us heretofore from a suspicion that their newly acquired rights have been grudgingly granted and were not safe in the hands of those who never recognized them as equals, this was but natural, and we are compelled to admit that under similar circumstances we would have done so ourselves. They have looked for protection to others because they were afraid to trust all their all to those who might have a motive to betray that trust. And again, I mean, it sounds reasonable. And that, that, yeah. that, that's very sober. Yeah. That is where we are going to end it on that sober note for this week. Uh, lot, lot to, lot to take in there. Again, we, we had to get through the rest of the, and they called them all smart and intelligent and they were able to talk <laughs> and we got through that from last week. Um, lot in those, lot in those eight pages there though, that, um, that that is really relevant again just understanding this this charge of corruption which to us i feel like is less prevalent i feel like when i think of reconstruction i don't get this 
this this corruption argument laid against me as much. So it's interesting to kind of try and unpack what this mm-hmm. is. I feel like Reconstruction gets blown over a lot more nowadays. It gets sort of a one paragraph in the history book, sort of a, a, a treatment, and then they move on. But this this kind of corruption charge where they're trying to personally attack the, the credibility of the legislatures, um, especially in South Carolina, is something new to me. So it's interesting to unpack this and figure out what what kind of charges were getting leveled against them and how ridiculous were yeah, they. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, the something that that you realize when you're real is we know in the past reconstruction was panned as as like you know this dark time and this this failure and this mistake or something by very racist people and that that was how you know history written by the the victors and and white supremacy carrying through in the united states um rewrote the history wrote over and exactly why du bois uh wrote this book and you can tell when reading this, that corruption was one of the major narratives of it. Because how else do you explain it, right? I mean, how do you make it sound like these people that were enslaved, that fought for their own freedom, how that all got ruined, and not basically jump up and down and say they're they're bask they're they're uh, backwards people, and and we're above them, and and we should re-enslave them, but really mean that? Well, you say corruption, you know, um, and. You know, that that makes sense. It also fits because it's a narrative that's easy to carry uh, because for all of his upsides as a general and for as much as he he stood up largely for the black man, (laughs) um, Ulysses S. Grant, of course, um, was, you know, an expansionist and uh, was, you know, a a racist in in an anti-indigenous sense. Um, He also was subject to a lot of scandals and it's easy to point to his scandals and, and tie it to these corruption narratives and, and allow these to carry because anytime you have something convenient to carry your racist bullshit on, you carry your racist bullshit on it. That that's what they've always done. And, and of course, you know, I mean, one particular interest in, instance that, that ties that, that anti-indigenous racism and the scandals together is the, the Fort Laramie treaty and the, and the, um, uh, black Hill, uh, the, uh, um, mining in the black Hills. Uh, but, but I mean, you know, scandal ridden presidency and they're already going with this bullshit corruption. And I'm sure that's, you know, they say, Hey, ta-da convenient. And and whenever you have something convenient like that, and you're a flagrant lying racist, you're going to go with the convenience because then you can just point to like, say, Grant go, aha, see. Yeah. It's, it's insanity. It's, it's craziness. And it, it is very interesting to watch. And again, it makes, I wondered why we spent this whole first part of the book. I, I, the first part of this chapter, oh, this, this, everyone praising these, these black representatives, oh, they're the most well spoken. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I, okay, okay, okay. And then you see why, because they're going to try and paint these people as corrupt and, and mm-hmm. scandalous and rascals, mm-hmm. all of them. And, and it is, again, it's important to, again, they said it in their own words who were the best part of this group and who weren't. Um, and it was always the black representatives were the were the most well spoken and the yeah uh, most most aptly what were they what, what's the word the most apt ably yeah the most ably ably able yeah most able couldn't, couldn't think of the and, synonym for articulate yeah, the, the and, and meanwhile you know the yeah and meanwhile the white representatives were belligerent and bigoted and just wanted their power back um, but then the narrative's corruption 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 corruption. All right. Well, that being said, this has been Mark's Madness. We read books. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to reach out to us, I apologize. I, Nathan, apologize because I've been very bad about getting back to anybody in the last couple uh, weeks, month, 
or so. Uh, I've I've just I've been dealing with some stuff personally. That's my that's on me, but that's no reason not to get back to you guys. So I apologize if you've left us a message that we have not gotten back to. Um, that is entirely on Nathan, not on David. Nathan is in charge of reading all that stuff and i've just been bad at it so apologies apologies make culpa i'm very sorry um know that anytime you have sent us anything um i i, I am re- i am trying to read as much of it as i can um if you sign us up for a bunch of spam email lists that are making it hard for me to read email why did you do that but fine whatever um that being said uh, the ways you can reach out to us, you can reach out to us on email, marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. You can get us on Twitter at marksmadnesspod. Um, and you can hit us up on the Discord, the Marks Madness Pod Discord. It is linked in our bio. Um, that is the, that is the one that I am in the most frequently. I am in the Marks Madness Pod Discord most. So if you want to talk to, uh, you know, have, have a conversation in there, I am in on, on that Discord server specifically. But again, apologies if I have not been getting back to you uh, in DMs or anything like that. It's been a rough couple months. Uh, that being said, David, it is disclaimer time. Do you want to do some disclaimer? Disc- yes, absolutely. So uh, obviously, this is a podcast me and Nathan started because we just we wanted to read books. And when you read books of theory, um, they get kind of boring and you want to make sure you get the most out of them. And so you tend to uh, jump in and read them as a group and then discuss them. And obviously a group is a little small. It was just two of us. And so we said, Hey, we know how to produce a podcast. Let's record this. And if we decide to go ahead with it, we'll make a podcast. And we did. And since that beginning, uh, what we wanted this podcast to be is hopefully you're out in some kind of group. Uh, you're organizing, you're doing community service, you're, uh, making, you know, alternative, uh, systems of, of sustenance, um, away from just, you know, and, and alternative systems of power away from just what's established in, in the government and the, in the liberal structures out there. Um, I mean, you're doing that. Hopefully you're having, you know, political education. You're having reading groups, uh, as, you know, part of radicalizing people and, and part of learning yourself and, and becoming a better revolutionary. And hopefully you're reading these works there. And what we can be is we can be complimentary. We can add another voice to the group. We can talk about these things with you and give you another perspective, maybe give you more in depth context or just, just, you know, another voice just to help you remind it or remind what's in the book and, and soak it in. Um, Save for that. Let's say you're just reading it on your own because maybe the reading group, political education group is reading something else, something shorter or more important to your work. Um, hopefully we can be that reading group, which is uh, something that, that we definitely intended for our reading group to be more than two. Um, and we can give you the context or we can give you feedback or we can you know, collaborate you with you on getting the most important ideas out of these works of theory and these works of history. Uh, say for that, say it's either a book like this where we're reading it basically word for word and we can be an enhanced ebook with uh, more context and more details. Or say you just need us to summarize um, in the books that we, we do summarize chapter by chapter, whatever it is that we make that uh, allows us to make these works more accessible to you because we want that theory out there guiding you in your actions and putting these theories in action is praxis. Praxis without theory isn't praxis. It's, it's charity and it's rudderless and it can be rendered meaningless and, and thrown out into the void. Uh, and of course, you know, theory without praxis is useless. It's a waste. They, they go hand in hand. They're tied at the hip. Amen. As always, once again, this has been Mark's madness. My name is Nathan. My name's David. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.